Welcome in to another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Guevara. And with me, as always, is Mr. Lupe Ramirez. And we are six weeks in uh, to this football season. It has surely not disappointed. Got to see a new school uh, this past week uh, for the first time. Uh, we'll get into that uh, a little bit later. But let's jump right into uh, our 2A teams as we're going to uh, switch things up uh, a little bit this week and focus on our 2A and 3A teams as they're already into the second half of their season. So we kind of want to see where each team is currently ranking, as well as take a look at the standings and see which teams could make that final push to become region champions. So we're going to start in two-way and begin with the Santa Cruz Dust Devils as they travel to Chandler Prep and came out successful, uh, winning 34-27. to What are your thoughts on... The Dust Devils pulling out this victory and are now riding a three-game win streak. I was pleasantly surprised. I'm glad that they were able to pull it out against Chandler Prep. It was something that I I didn't really expect. In the end, I'm glad that they were able to withstand them and outwit them. Um, now they're sitting at three and three, like you said, on a three-game uh, win streak, and it drops Chandler Prep to two and three. Um, not really much stats on them right now, so the only thing that we can do is say that they have a bye this week and they should enjoy that rest because when they come back they play Arete Prep another team that just lost to Sequoia Pathway 54 to 0 now let's dive into that game because I know that you had told me a bunch of ridiculous stats from that game but let's dive into the plays yeah this game is definitely what Sequoia Pathway needed to bounce back after uh, losing two straight games especially a regional game against uh, Chandler Prep last week. So they came out and got their first win in the region and had some amazing uh, performances by multiple players on both sides of the ball. Uh, Vinny Sanchez went 8 for 19 for uh, 185 yards and two touchdowns, while uh, Norian Banks uh, racked up 257 yards on 13 carries and three touchdowns, and they rushed for a total of five touchdowns as a team. But of course, you know, if we mention Norian on offense, we're most likely going to mention him again on defense because of uh, his abilities uh, to perform on the uh, defensive end. He finished the night with uh, 10 tackles, uh, nine uh, solo tackles, six tackles for loss, three sacks and one forced fumble. So an overall great performance, uh, not only for Norian, but for the Pumas as well. And I think that this may spark something for them to uh, to finish up strong uh, later on in the season. How do you think uh, this performance was uh, for the Pumas? Like you said, I, I agree. I think it was very much needed. And now they're coming into this week to get ready to play Antelope, the team that Santa Cruz just beat a few weeks ago. And now Sequoia Pathway has the same opportunity to beat them and also have the opportunity to have their record the same as Santa Cruz as, at 3-3. Three and three. And uh, I know that the record is different from what we announced uh, last week, being that that we had Sequoia Pathway at two and two. And then, of course, their record should be three and two as of the results of Friday night. But unfortunately, as you mentioned, I believe it was last week or maybe uh, two episodes ago where you uh, asked me if I heard about Sequoia Pathway having to forfeit the matchup against uh, Trivium Prep. And what you uh, found out was correct. 
uh, the AIA just uh, changed the record of Sequoia Pathway. So instead of coming into this game two and two, they actually were one and three and why their record sits at two and three now. So it's definitely unfortunate for Sequoia Pathway to have to wear that, especially uh, how dominant they were against Trivium Prep. But ultimately, I feel that no matter who was on that field that night, the results would have been the same. But it just sucks, you know, to see a team lose a victory over something that is an ongoing situation when it comes to the transfer portal. But we'll see uh, how the uh, season plays out, uh, not only for them, but for the rest of the uh, two-way Gila region. Uh, the standings currently uh, are uh, Gilbert Christian. Uh, they're 4-2, and 2-0 two, uh, two oh in the region. Santa Cruz, 3-3. Three and three. Two and one in the region, Chandler Prep and Sequoia Pathway tied at two and three and one and one in the region. Arete Prep three and two and one and one in the region. San Pasqual Valley one and three and they're zero and one in the region. And Antelope closing out uh, the bottom end at one and four and zero and two in the region. So here are the remaining games of for Santa Cruz and for Sequoia Pathway. And after hearing. Uh, the remaining teams for each of our uh, two-way teams. Let me know who you feel will have the best chance to possibly become a uh, region champs. So you have Santa Cruz. They're going to be taking on uh, Arete Prep in two weeks. Then San Pasqual Valley. And then they'll finish up against Sequoia Pathway. Sequoia Pathway will play Antelope. They'll play undefeated uh, Sabino. San Pasqual. They still have to play Gilbert Christian. And then of course, finish up with Santa Cruz. How do you see the rest of this two-way Gila region playing out? I don't see it going any other way than being a tightly contested race. Now that Santa Cruz has built the momentum that they have so far, I think that they're capable of being able to compete with teams like Sequoia Pathway and Gilbert Christian, you know, come down the road if they need to meet them in the playoffs. This is going to be a really tight race. This was something that I didn't expect in the beginning of the year. And uh it's it's not a matter of disrespect or anything to the teams it was just coming in blind we didn't and uh we took a lot of teams on this year so we didn't know much about them and the one thing that we knew that was for certain about both santa cruz and sequoia pathway was that they were losing a lot of experience from their seniors but they've uh managed to bounce back on both sides and, and i commend both teams but it's really difficult if you re want me to put a realistic pointing finger after who's you know at who's going to be the top team in the region because the way things are going right now it it's going to be too close to call but man if i had to flip a coin in my head and i could see what it turned out to be well and you can also say that neither team may win it and it may be gilbert christian or chandler prep who can sneak away and and uh take the region uh gilbert christian actually will be playing a uh, prep this week and then they'll play Chandler Prep, Sequoia Pathway, and finish with San Pasqual Valley. So either way, Sequoia needs to pick up the victory against Gilbert Christian in order for them to have a chance. And then hope that Chandler Prep can beat uh, Gilbert Christian as well. But it's going to be uh, interesting because if Sequoia Pathway beats Gilbert Christian and then Chandler Prep uh, beats Gilbert Christian. Remember, Sequoia Pathway lost to uh, Chandler Prep just a week ago, so... Like I said, there's a lot of different things that could happen. I really think that Santa Cruz has a schedule that favors them. 
you know, of course, they're going to go up against uh, the Pumas uh, the last game of the season. But I think that they need it more because they currently sit at 27th in the two-way rankings while Sequoia Pathway sits at 11. So there's a lot to weigh on the Dust Devils to pick up these victories, especially at the end of the season against uh, Sequoia Pathway. We'll see how the season shapes out uh, this second half. And I mean, it's going to be a tight race either way it goes. But I got a question for you. Do you agree with the separation between the two in the rankings? I do. Just because of the quality of victories that Santa Cruz has. I mean, they play teams that a lot of these 2A teams can beat, you know, the same way. And I don't think that they're quality enough victories compared to what the Pumas have faced. You know, they've faced Wilcox, um, who, which is why I think they rank uh, a lot higher you know, despite Santa Cruz having a better record than them. But and that all goes back to the AIA's uh, number system and how impactful uh, the strength of schedule is. And, you know, we've talked about that before, but do I agree with it? Not entirely, but at the same time, you know, I'm just here to report the numbers. You know, that's nothing that we can really control. And, you know, just hope that these uh, next two games will uh, bump up the uh, Dust Devils, you know, before they uh, take on the Pumas. Yeah, and speaking of the Pumas, let's shout out Coach Donnie for his first post in years. Rocking our varsity breakdown team, you know, shout out to Coach D for that because that, that that was really cool. I'm glad that, that he was happy to sport our shirt and actually give us a cool shout out on his page so you know shout out to you coach d all right let's move into our 3a teams uh starting with the coolidge bears as they uh traveled to parker to take on the bronx and came out victorious 46 to 33 and it was the first game for uh senior quarterback gianni mascalino what do you think of his first performance of the season it was spectacular like you want a performance like that from your quarterback if you know let's talk about all the, the things that are surrounding him he was a transfer from eastmark um had to sit out five games, appealed it the whole entire way, but unfortunately he was, uh, you know, unsuccessful. This is his game, he comes back. And just like in the stories post that we made last night, like I said, it's just like a movie. It sucks because his first play of the game was an interception, but that didn't hold him back from the entire game. The kid had a 75% completion rate going 21 for 28, had a QB rating of 124.6, had a total of 355 yards. The kid had five touchdowns in the air and also rushed one in. Like I said, just like a movie. It was something really exciting to hear about because we had, you know, uh, a bug in the game and Coach Aaron Monteverdi, uh, and, and he was giving us text updates the entire way, and I can't thank him enough for that because while we were in Santan, those updates were so clutch. Yeah, you could definitely feel, uh, you know, when we were getting these updates, how much of a difference uh, one player can make on a team. A team that was uh, not consistently moving the ball downfield for uh, them to utilize the pass more this game than they had all season and be able to be that successful is only going to make this offense even more dangerous, especially knowing that. This week, they're getting back uh, Belcom, who had to sit out one game. But what was your thoughts of the overall performance of the Bears? Not only uh, Gianni's performance, but I mean, there's uh, Wanye uh, had over 172 yards of receiving with two touchdowns. Gavin Gunter, five receptions, 102 yards and two touchdowns. And still the Bears rushed 
for 158 yards. What was it this week that that finally brought this offense together? Last week, I didn't I didn't want to admit it and say that it was going to be all about Gianni. But I got to eat those words, brother. This week, I got to admit, Gianni was that glue. Uh, they faced adversity right off the bat. Like I said, throwing an interception sucks, but didn't affect them throughout the entire game. They you know, fought strong against a team that is struggling this year, but nonetheless is Parker. You can look back at their legacy and, and think that's the team you beat. And it's not like they rolled over. They, they fought Coolidge tooth and nail until the end. And they have a lot to look forward to in this upcoming game with Santan Foothills. And we'll get to that game here in a minute. But do you believe that Gianni was the key to the Bears winning this week? I believe it was a good team effort. He definitely brought something that the Bears was missing. And that was uh, for the Bears to be able to be a vertical team, meaning that, you know, they can stretch the ball downfield. He got an amazing arm on him where he can uh, throw it a little bit further than what Ethan could at a cons- more consistent rate. And you saw that. I mean, some of the plays, they were not just little, you know, out routes or, you know, the little dink and dunks that we were used to. I mean, these were 20, 30 yard, you know, bombs downfield. And so I think you finally got to see how skilled the Coolidge Bears are at the wide receiver position. We talked about it a lot. We just never really seen it executed on a consistent basis. And I think that his presence kind of brought their offense, finally brought it to full circle because we had talked about could the Bears win with just the pass, and we had not been able to quite see it yet, but I think that you're going to start seeing it come alive a lot more for the remainder of the season. But I also want to say, you know, that for their offense to put up 46 points because, you know, their defense struggled a little bit, especially early on in the game, but the Bears defense did what they needed to do to get – uh, the ball back and uh, into Gianni's hands. And they were able to win a decisive victory. And I think, like I said, once they get Belkham back, uh, uh, Gage had to sit out uh, for injury. Once they get these guys back, it's going to be a different ball game. At least I hope so. And, you know, and the team they're facing this week for homecoming is a team that has a pretty good defense. Yeah, no doubt. But let's talk about the team that's up the road. They actually went on the road to play Chino Valley, and they did exactly what they thought they would do, beating Chino Valley 41-7. to Now, this was a game where defense was totally key. One thing that we noticed right off the bat when we were looking up the stats was this team was pulling interceptions left and right. They had five total, and one that stood out the most was because we were reminded of that interception after the game immediately. Wrangler Gilliams, you got an interception out there, my boy. Good job, 7-2. And, and we, we're looking forward to seeing that number run up and down the field and, and hearing plenty more about how 7-2 is making plays out there in red, in white, whatever color you're wearing, I know you're going to be making a play. Oh, yeah. When the D lineman gets an interception, you definitely got to highlight that because that doesn't happen on a regular basis. So You know that locker room got live for him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure if uh, we were on that sidelines, it would have been just as exciting as when uh, the Cougars let Nick uh, rush in uh, for a touchdown. But, you know, um, I know uh, Coach Hart didn't want us to jump the gun on uh, this game. He wanted his team to focus on it. And they did exactly uh, what I expected from them. I didn't think this game was going to be close. And it didn't turn out that way, but it's just it just shows that Florence is uh, firing on all the right cylinders right now. And, you know, they're going to be definitely tough to stop. 
but their biggest test will come in two weeks when they take on the Eastmark Firebirds. But we'll get uh, into uh, the remaining schedules uh, for Coolidge and Florence and the rest of uh, the 3A Central region once we finish up uh, with these last two teams who happened to be our game of the week, which was the ALA Ironwood Warriors taking on the Santan Foothill Sabercats on Santan Foothill's homecoming night. This game lived up more than what I was expecting. I, you know, I didn't know what type of game we were going to get, but let me tell you when this game was a smash mouth football game, like old school, that is exactly what it was. But I just want to say that was one of the funnest experiences I've had in a long time. It really was. Um, Just to get there, it kind of sucked when we first got there because there was a weather delay, but it wasn't too bad. We kind of made the best of the situation, went off, grabbed something to drink and came right back. Um, and it was a great atmosphere for football. But one thing that that stood out was we were on the opposite side, you know, trying to catch up with some of the Warriors on, on the visiting side. And they had gave us a shout out over the intercom. And I know that had to have felt great, right? To, to, to have oh, something well. like that, you know, just be totally random. We did not ask for that. And, and, and whoever had asked for that, we want to say thank you so much because that was definitely some great hospitality and it made us feel very welcome. Oh, no doubt. And even the interactions, you know, not only in that moment, but uh, the guys who were uh, recording uh, for Santan Foothills uh, to get their film for the uh, for the game. I mean, for for them, like we were chit chatting and then, you know, I introduced myself and the um, and the student was like, yeah, I know who you are. And I was like. Oh, okay. And then he's like, I listen to every one of your episodes. It makes you feel excited to go to uh, see these other schools that we haven't had the opportunity to see before. Your experience uh, with Vincent, you know, even Friday night meeting uh, Zach and uh, Raph for the first time and just the smiles on their face. It was like, okay, now I see what everybody else is talking about as far as the impact and the reach that we're making out here in the Pinal County community. And lastly, I mean, I can't even say just those guys. I mean, the whole football team for Santan Foothills, it was like all of them came and shook our hands, say, thank you for coming. You know, we really appreciate it. But even meeting uh, Santan Foothills coach and uh, Coach Carlin, that was an experience in itself as well. Yeah, it was good to chop it up with Coach Carlin. He, he, got put on to us by Eli, uh, Elijah Fields, you know, who actually listens to us quite often. And and I'm glad he does because he actually told Coach Carlin, he's like, yeah, these guys, they used to talk a lot of crap about us, but now they love us. And and, and, I, and I'm not going to say that it, that's not true, but it's kind of true because it, they were a team that we expected to go one and nine again. And we weren't the only ones. No, not the only ones. But one thing that they're proving now is that that's not the, that's definitely not the case. They are a team that's fighting for their position not only in this uh, region but in the conference as well, and they're looking to make a definite splash in the playoffs. And if the playoffs started today, they would be in a prime position, wouldn't they? Yeah, they would. Uh, you know, and uh, we'll we'll get into the rankings uh, here right after. But uh, I just want to talk about the, uh, a little bit about the game itself. Like we said, uh, it was a smash mouth game, zero zero at halftime. And then in the second half, the Sabercats got the better of the Warriors uh, and ended up picking up the victory uh, 21 to 7. I mean, it sucks seeing uh, Connor Malt uh, go down with the hand injury uh, later in the second half. But 
What were your thoughts of the Sabercats defense and the emergence of number 34, uh, Dallas, who pretty much had himself a day at running back, rushing for three touchdowns and also uh, got an interception on defense? What were your thoughts about uh, those two points? On the defensive side, I was kind of expecting it, but it was something that if I go back into our last week's episode, I believe I took ALA over Santan Foothills. And I even, I was hesitant to make that decision because I knew that not only was I going to make a lot of boys in the black and blue mad or upset a little bit, but it actually gave them a little bit of fuel. As you said, um, seeing Dallas Samuelu light it up out there and then score the final three touchdowns for the Sabercats, you know, in the second half, he... He played a really good game, especially, you know, knowing that he had, you know, tons of friends on, on that side because that was event that was his former team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to see him at the end of the game, hug AJ Villasenor and, and then catch up with old teammates and coaches, it, it, it was an emotional game for him. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it was just like that on the other side as well. But in in talking to Connor, uh, it sucked because he actually came out of the game with a hurt hand. And I was hoping that, it actually wasn't. But when I caught him on his sideline, he was actually in really good spirits. He was coaching up his teammates and, and providing them with positive encouragement. And that's exactly what you want from a leader. And I hope that he's healing well, that his hand is fine. I, I, I really look forward to, to seeing him excel because this is his team. And like I, I think I said it last episode, this team is 14, maybe now 21 points away from being undefeated. They put up a hell of a fight against Santan Foothills, but Santan Foothills came out there with really good energy because it was their homecoming game. They they had a bunch of things on the line, and they were not going to come out of that game with a loss. Well, for our 4-3A teams, here are the rankings uh, that they currently sit at. You got Florence at number 7, Santan Foothills at number 13, Coolidge at 22 and ALA Ironwood at 35. And these are uh, the uh, current AIA rankings that I'm reading right now. So not a lot of love uh, for the Warriors or for Coolidge uh, this far in the season, but they definitely have a chance to make up some games. I don't know if it's already late for ALA Ironwood to try to make a push, you know, um, having four losses on the season and still having to play your regional games, it's going to be a tough stretch uh, for the Warriors. Uh, But here's what the standings currently look like. You have uh, Eastmark in first at 4-1, Florence uh, in second at 6-0, Santan Foothills and Coolidge tied for third at 3-3, and and ALA Ironwood closing it up at 1-4. Eastmark, Florence, and Santan Foothills are all 1-0, in region play while Coolidge and ALA Ironwood are are both uh, 0-1. The remaining games uh, for Florence is, as we stated earlier, in two weeks, uh, they're going to be taking on Eastmark. Then they have Odyssey Prep, who is 2-4, ALA Ironwood, who is 1-4, and, and finish up with Santan Foothills, who's 3-3. Three three. Santan Foothills next up for them will be uh, the Coolidge Bears, then 4-2 Shadow Mountain, and then uh, finish up with Florence while Coolidge will be playing uh, the Sabercats. Then they have two tough back-to-back games against undefeated Thatcher and 4-1 Eastmark, and then close up with ALA Ironwood. And for the Warriors, uh, they have Eastmark, ALA West Foothills, which should be an interesting matchup. Uh, They currently are 2-4, and then they have Florence and Coolidge. So 
like I said, it's almost set in stone. It's kind of a wrap for ALA Ironwood, but they definitely have an opportunity to finish up the season strong as long as those guys, like you said, stick together and don't give up on each other. And I'm hoping that they do. This isn't uh, the end of the road for the Warriors. They have plenty of season left. They have plenty of games left, and they should not be discouraged to go out there and fight. Um, One thing that I will notice when you mention those games, I feel like Florence has the opportunity to possibly crack into the top five. But at the same time, I don't feel like it would it would be truly earned unless they beat Eastmark because Odyssey Institute, not a quality opponent. And it's also a non-section game. After that, they have ALA Ironwood, a team that is, you know, struggling heavily right now. And they close their season with Santan Foothills. And that's a game that's going to be really interesting right now. And that's not to say that any of the other games before aren't, but this is a team that's in their school district, a, a team that's seen as their little brother. And, and here's a little fact that I'm, I'm not sure if any of the students or teachers know there. They were at one point Coolidge's little brother's school yep. until we actually lost them um, to the Florence School District. But I, I think that Florence, if they beat Eastmark, they have a good chance of going undefeated, something that I did not predict at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And if they do, I, I would be very happy for them, wouldn't you? Oh, without a doubt, you know, and Eastmark is got to be one of the top three teams who are favorite to win the whole thing. But I know that Florence is going to go in there and know how much this game means to the uh, to the results of how their season is going to play out. You know, they have an opportunity where whoever wins will most likely be crowned region champs. They're going to make sure they're taking uh, extra preparations uh, in this week uh, during their bye and come out even more prepared uh, to take on uh, the Firebirds. But let's go into the Coolidge and Santan Foothills game. It's the homecoming game uh, for the Bears. They're coming off that big victory against Parker. You got Santan Foothills knocking off their rival and now have to go in to Larry Delbert Stadium and try to pick up a victory. Who do you have the edge for in this week's game? Damn. You know what? I was dreading this question. On the way here, I was like, man, he's going to ask me, who am I going to take between STF and Coolidge? I, Man, I really don't know, bro, because, yeah, I see that Gianni's back, and I know that Belcom's going to be back. There's a good chance that Gage is going to come back. But on the other side, actually being at the Santan game and seeing how Eli and that entire Santan defense operates, I hope that that D-line can protect Gianni just like they were playing Eastmark. You got to protect him just like you know that they're gunning for him because it doesn't matter if it was uh, Ethan back there or Gianni. You got to do your best to protect your QB. And and you don't think that Santan Foothills is going to come into this game hungry? When we were in uh, at, on their field, we heard them chanting Big Blue. This is going to be the battle of who's the real Big Blue here. It's going to be a really, really good game. Um, it's unfortunate that it's not our game of the week because I know that we would love to take part of the homecoming festivities at Coolidge, but we, you know, we've showed them tons of love, and we don't want to seem a little too biased towards them. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to actually enjoy a Casa Grand game this week, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but you still haven't answered my question. I know I'm dancing around it, bro. I come don't on, come oh. on. Don't, don't leave the people uh, wondering what what your decision's going to be. Okay, I'll, I'll narrow it down for you. Two questions. Will the Sabercats be able to pass on the Coolidge defense? And will the secondary for the Sabercats be able to 
withstand the the new and improved passing attack from Coolidge? That should help you out a little bit more. I feel like those are kind of loaded questions <laughs> because one, that Coolidge defense, if, if Belcom comes back, Gage comes back, strong. Well, Belcom's coming back. He was only suspended. Oh, no, yeah, not if Belcom comes back. When Belcom comes back, if Gage comes back, that's going to, you know, bolster that defense. And my boy Dalton Norman's going to have to be really, really careful back there because they're going to be coming for him too. Mm -hmm. Trust me, it's not going to be just a one-sided offensive game. And then do I think that the Santan secondary will be able to withstand that passing attack from Coolidge that, you know, they already had great receivers and a solid quarterback, but now they have, you know, a much improved quarterback and and someone who's hungry right now who sat out five games and has been waiting to get on that field. And it's homecoming. Uh, You know what? I'm going to say Coolidge gets the edge from me. But going back to what I said earlier, when I said that the Warriors were going to beat Santan, they ended up coming out and winning. Mm-hmm. So th- this is the epitome of a coin toss, but th- the coin is just still in the air, just rolling. <laughs> okay, I'll take that one. At least you gave me an edge. I'll take that. You know, I'm I'm definitely uh, interested in seeing how much hard-hitting plays there are going to be in this game because Elijah Fields, uh, Bo, David, those guys, they, they hit. And we know that there's some heavy hitters on the other side of the um, defensive line with uh, Coolidge and Andre Dukes, Matthew Makazan. I mean, Jordan Johnson, he's starting to come into his own at the uh, DN position. And then, of course, you got uh, Gavin uh, right, sitting right there in the middle. He's always waiting to hit somebody. But I expect a hard-hitting game, you know. But those two things are what I'm going to be trying to keep my eye on when I'm uh, texting uh, uh, Coach Aaron for updates for this game, but I will as well give the edge uh, to Coolidge. And that is because of how much they have improved in one week in the past game. We already knew what their run game could do. They just needed that added part uh, to their offense. And for uh, ALA Ironwood uh, taking on Eastmark, do we both feel the same about that one just because of how beat up uh, the Warriors are right now and kind of seem down on themselves. I hope they don't, I hope they still go out there and put up a fight, you know, and give their best effort. We've seen what they have done this far in the season and they have nothing to hang their heads about because they were in every single one of those games. You know, do you expect still a close game despite them losing Connor Malt this past week? I don't want Connor to listen to this and feel like I'm consistently disrespecting the ALA Ironwood Warriors. Because that is not what we're doing. Because that seems to be the the trend too. Talking to kids, they they only hear the negative things, and that's not you know entirely what we do here. We're, and, and he asked me, he's like, "Hey, is that a media thing?" And I was like, "No, it's not necessarily a media thing. It's just us providing positive criticism and and being honest with you." I was like, "When we spend our time um, just blowing smoke up, you know, up you know somebody, it it doesn't help." Uh, it, if if we were to side with you all the time, and, and sometimes we do, I was like, but at the same time, we got to play good cop, bad cop. And I was like, I'm usually the guy that's in there to be like, oh, I, I want all these kids to win. But in the end, it's about the numbers. And the numbers just favor Eastmark. Mm-hmm. Eastmark is going to go in there and possibly pull out a win that could end in a shutout. But I'm hoping that the Warriors can pull it together and at least get a score. Well, the Warriors have surprised us all year long. And they've just come up short. That's all it is at the end of the day. They just have come up short. 
I do expect them uh, to struggle in this game a little bit, but at the same time, I would not expect to look at the score at halftime and see the Warriors still in the ball game. Because like I said, it's been that way all year long. So I'm not going to sit here and say that it can't be this game just because of how good Eastmark is. Because we expected them to get blown out by Arizona Lutheran. That didn't happen. Sierra Linda, that didn't happen. You know, against Gilbert Christian, I mean, I thought they were going to pick up the victory. But at the end of the day, it's just they've been in every single one of the ball games, And my thing is, why can't they be in the ball game against this team? You know, because sometimes... As we've seen uh, with other teams, you know, you come out a little bit flat against an opponent that by the numbers say you should blow out. And when they stick around, I mean, they they'll pull out victories. We've seen that before. So I just hope that the Warriors ride out the rest of the season still as one unit, still trying to improve uh, each game. And, you know, I think that they they can at least pick up one more victory on the year before it's all said and done. But it, this game is definitely going to be one that they're going to have to work for if they want it. But I think we've uh, spent uh, plenty of time on the 3A. Let's jump into our 4A teams, starting with Vista Grande as they travel to Alhambra and crush the Lions 56-6, giving Vista Grande their second win in a row. How are you feeling about the Spartans compared to how they were just two weeks ago? Uh, it, it, it's a move in the right direction. Two weeks ago, they were 0-2, and right now they're riding a two-game win streak. And they have that possibility of making it a three-game win streak as they go visit the Rio Rico Hawks. I know QB Darnell Castro is looking forward to this. This was what he was hoping for in the beginning of the season, and now him and his team are actually getting to taste that that sweet and savory taste of victory. And now they have a chance of winning three games in a row. It's It's not... It's not against opponents that are quote-unquote good. Let's be honest. But at the same time, these are the wins in the locker room that you need so your team remains together and you're not falling apart. Um, They have a great chance of blowing out Rio Rico this week, and I think that there's not really much to say except don't let Rio Rico get too close. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, without a doubt. You know, uh, one of the things we've been preaching about Vista Grande, consistency, beat two teams you should beat. Now you got to go in there and do it again. You know, no time to get complacent. Ride that momentum and go in there and do exactly what you did to Alhambra. Go in to Rio Rico and do the same thing because I would not expect anything less because I know what the Spartans are capable of if they put all the pieces together. And you have to do that against a team like Rio Rico who falls under that category of lower end teams. But I will definitely uh, side hard with the Spartans. And this win will be crucial as they get ready to enter a uh, region play. And we've talked about it before. This region that they're in is very you know, winnable for them. Their main competition in that region is going to probably come from Canyon del Oro and Empire. Um, I wish the Spartans all the best. They have every bit of talent on that team. They just got to put it all together for four quarters. And like you've been saying since day one, since we've been covering the Spartans, (laughs) be consistent, my boys. Now, let's talk about the game between the Post and Butte Broncos and the Coconino Panthers. That game went to a final of 29-28. It was such a nail-biter, but at the same time, 
The Broncos did exactly what I said they were going to do. They traveled all that way and smoked that Coconino pack. It was definitely a game where we had to see a Post and Butte come from behind. And I think they were down at one point 28 to 7. And to pull out a victory, you know, 29 to 28, it says a lot about what type of team Post and Butte is and how when they're playing from behind, they don't give up on each other. You know, they could have easily gave up in that game and been like, hey, man, that, that's it. You know what? We, we lost. We've, we've seen it. We've seen it uh, multiple times uh, this season and they just believe in each other, you know, and they slowly chopped at that lead until they came out victorious. And for them to have the guts to go for two at the end of the game, what a victory uh, for the Broncos. Now, do you feel that coming into this week's game, they can carry that momentum going up against uh, St. Mary Knights? hundred percent. That momentum has to carry over. You don't come back from behind from being down that much and and not have like that feeling like you're King Kong on the Empire State Building. This is exactly what Post and Butte needed. Going into St. Mary's, they're gonna take that long trip up to Phoenix. And and I feel like they're and I feel like they're gonna have a really good game. I give Post and Butte all the credit in this one. I do I think it's going to be a close game? Yes. This is not going to be a game where Post and Butte blows them out. But, I mean, I've said that before with Micah Mountain, and they, they <laughs> shut them out. Yeah, I think uh, Post and Butte has to have the edge in this one. Uh, they're a favorite for a reason. And I think that now the emergence of their passing game is definitely going to help them put up the numbers that they need, especially if their defense is struggling. I mean, we already know what that rushing attack is going to do. And number one, can you stop it? And then number two, they know how to pass now. And that's a great added tool, you know, just like with Coolidge uh, for a team, especially in 4A. I always say that if you can't pass in 4A, it's definitely tough to win. Well, a couple of their victories came off of straight rushing. And so, you know, for them to be able to utilize the pass a little bit more, it's going to definitely help them uh, later in the season. I will definitely 100% give them the edge over St. Mary's. And I'll say that they're going to win by a couple of touchdowns just because I know that they got to be riding high off this win against Coconino. And I think that they're going to come in uh, ready to uh, take home another road victory. So, uh, But let's move into uh, the matchup between Bradshaw Mountain and Combs. A very close contested game, which the Coyotes came out victorious, winning 36 to 34. And I think that has to be our upset of the week because I know we both gave the edge to Bradshaw Mountain. Oh, wait, wait. No, 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 no. You went Combs. Yes. I went Bradshaw Mountain. And so, you know, you picked the upset of the week, man, because I did not think that uh, Combs was going to have enough to pull it out, but... What are your thoughts about that? It was good. I mean, I, at the same time, when you kind of put me at the spot, because it was kind of like what you did with the Coolidge game, you're like, I didn't get an answer. You need, you need to give me an answer. <laughs> and I did that. I kind of danced around the, the answer with Combs. But I eventually picked them. And I'm glad I did because they ended up winning by two points. Two points, not a lot. But it's enough to get you a win over a quality opponent in the Bradshaw Mountain Bears. And now Combs is, is riding super high. And they're going to open their doors to a team that is 0-4, another team in our Pinal County who is, you know, on the verge of, you know, just getting there. But it, it seems to be that's the thing. It's a roller coaster season. They they get really good and have a, have a good bright spot, and then they play a tough team. They get really good and have a, a 
good bright spot, then they play a tough team. Last week, Maricopa played Sunrise Mountain. This week, they play Combs. It's going to be a tough stretch for them. I I kind of have to give the edge to the Combs Coyotes. I, I Trust me, I love the boys in Maricopa. I know Vincent's going to be there doing his thing, but it's really tough to count out the Coyotes right now. Oh, they're playing good ball right now. I mean, Tanner Hale, he had himself a day, uh, I believe, uh, 200 uh, passing yards, uh, 89 rushing yards, and a, a, f- a couple of touchdowns to go along with it. So I give the edge, of course, uh, to the Coyotes. And if the Coyotes can kind of continue to ride this momentum, they have a good chance uh, to really sneak into the playoffs this year. And I think that would be the biggest surprise for me. I know Florence is undefeated, but if I see the Coyotes, whom I had middle of the pack at the beginning of the season, you know, especially on the lower end, and for them to make the playoffs, and I mean, how great of a story would that be, uh, especially for a team that nobody expected to uh, do that well this year? It would be a great story. I I, I think that they'll be in the playoffs too. They're, they're, there was once a point where I was in the same boat as you that I thought that Combs was going to be a so-so team. They are not a so-so team. They are a well-disciplined, very well-coached, finely-tuned machine. And I think we're going to see them exploit the Maricopa Rams this Friday. Well, moving into Apache Junction, uh, they had a bye this past Friday. Uh, but we'll be taking on uh, Coconino, who uh, just played uh, Post and Butte. Do you think it's another victory uh, for Pinal County against Coconino and uh, AJ goes 4-0 this week? Yes, but not easily. We saw that Coconino was able to take Post and Butte down to the wire. But that was at home. Now they have to come travel down to uh, Apache Junction. Is that going to play a factor in the outcome of the game as far as how close it's going to be? Yeah, of course. When they come to Davis Field and they try to to get into the mind of the prospectors, they're going to defend it. You know, And you just saw, I don't know if you did, but I saw their photos that they released from their media day. These boys look like rock stars, bro. Like they, they're going to come into this game not just with drip, but with fire. They're going to take out Coconino, and it's not, it's not going to be nice. I'll say that. I have that much faith in the prospectors right now. Well, no, I, I believe the same thing. I think the travel is going to play a factor. I think that's what played a factor against Post and Butte, you know, them having to travel way out there. But at the end of the day, I mean, Coconino plays good ball. And I know that they're going to give the prospectors their all. I know that for sure. But at the end of the day, I mean, Apache Junction, especially coming off a bye week, you have an extra week to prepare for an opponent. It's definitely going to play uh, into their favor. So I'm going to take Apache Junction with that as well. Um, Just to wrap up the 4A teams, uh, the current rankings for them are Post and Butte at 3, Apache Junction at 9, Combs at 13, and Vista Grande at 30th. So Vista got to continue riding that momentum to bump them up a little bit. But, I mean, Combs sitting at 13. If the season ended today, they'd be a playoff team. So definitely got to keep our eyes on that uh, 4A uh, division. Uh, But let's move into 5A. Uh, We talked about Maricopa uh, losing to Sunrise Mountain 34-6. We knew it was going to be a tough opponent despite what Sunrise Mountain's record said. And the results were what I expected, you know. But at the same time, I know that Maricopa can still compete. It's just the amount of difficult opponents that they've had this year have definitely hurt the season for the Rams. I don't know besides the the little victories that we've been talking about 
what else they can do to try to pick up a victory because the remainder of their schedule is definitely going to be tough, especially as they get into their region play. You know, I just want them to continue to be positive and support each other despite what their record says because I know that they're a great bunch of uh, guys out there. And, and uh, you know, we got to uh, meet a few of them uh, when we went to uh, Casa Grande uh, for their week one matchup. But it's definitely going to be a tough stretch for the Rams, uh, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I anticipated this in the beginning of the year. This is probably the only thing I'm going to get right for my preseason predictions. But yeah, the Rams are struggling. They're struggling as bad as I thought they would. But don't count them out yet. Like you said, they have many other games that they have to compete in. This is going to be one of those tough games. But they they can hold it down defensively. We talked about Ian Palm last week. I think that he's going to have another good performance this week or at least have a chance to. Um, just do your best to try to hold them. This, this is... This is not the end of the road for you guys. I and I you. and I think that this can turn if they are able to move the ball and uh, can put up some points against Combe, it could turn into a good matchup, you know. Um, but either way, uh, let's move on into the uh, Casa Grande versus Castillo game. Um, this unfortunately was the first loss uh, for the Cougars this season. Uh, they lost forty-eight to seven and snapped their seventeen-game win streak. What did this loss say for you about the Cougars? For me, it showed that Castile was undefeated for a reason and that Casa Grande doesn't have any reason to hold their heads down or, or, or to be down on themselves. I know that having a long historic streak like 17 wins and having that snapped, it sucks. I know that has to suck. But you played a tough 6A team. I didn't have any you know, doubts in you to try to pull out this win, but one thing I didn't expect was Castile's defense to hold Casagrande so well, especially how elusive Fatty is. Yeah, it just goes to show, you know, that a type of talent that's in the 5A and 6A uh, divisions, and we knew that eventually Casagrande was going to come across a team that can match their intensity. But one of the biggest things that I took away from the game was seeing that the Cougars gave up 323 passing yards and five touchdowns. We knew the absence of somebody like Andon Diaz was going to play a factor. And I believe I stated like, uh, can uh, the Cougars secondary be able to stop the packs, the passing attack of Castillo. And I think that ultimately it was too much for them. And, you know, and that would, also makes sense as to why their score was so low is because if your offense can't get anything going, your defense is out there a little bit more, you're going to get winded. And they're only four games into the season. So I know that not everybody is in tip-top shape. I mean, we've seen uh, players go down in week three pulling cramps, you know, uh, early on with the 2A and 3A teams. So I know uh, that fatigue definitely will have to play a factor, especially if your offense is not producing and you're constantly out there on defense. But the Cougars, you know, got to look past this game. Uh, not much uh, stats from the Cougars this week, uh, but they definitely have to uh, put this one in uh, the back seat and get ready for a game against undefeated Higley, who is uh, 3-0. and And they'll be coming to uh, Al Van Hazel Stadium to try to give the Cougars another loss. And this will actually be our game of the week. How do you see this one playing out? I mean, it's going to be a very tough matchup. A very tough matchup it will be. Um, we saw Higley early in the season when they played Post and Butte, and they ended up beating them 50-43. to 43. You know, of course I'm going to side with Casa Grande no matter what, 
But this is going to be a game where a lot of people in those stands are going to be stressed, bro. Like, the way they handle Higley will be telling to how the rest of their season goes. Because after this this game, they pretty much reach their halfway point. They await their bye and then get ready to knock out the last five games. And their last five games in their region are going to be tough, tough games. And that starts with the Higley Knights. Oh, no doubt. Uh, this game is definitely going to be another tough matchup uh, for the Cougars. And it's going to be another team that likes to pass. Uh, going back to uh, the game against Post and Butte, uh, their quarterback threw for 384 yards and four touchdowns. And they also rushed for 127 yards and two rushing touchdowns. So I will probably say the biggest X factor again for the Cougars this week is how that secondary can uh, hold up to this passing attack. And, you know, and and also, of course, the, the offense got to get going again. Uh, you know, to try to put up some points, especially if it's going to be a shootout, which I expect it to be. I mean, the post and Butte game was no different. And I expect another game like that where where both teams are trying to make that one stop on defense to pull out the victory. And so I expect this one to go down to the wire. I expect it to be close, but I'm going to say that the Cougars get back into the win column this week, pick up their first region victory and have a good ending to their homecoming because I, I don't know how many healthy players they're going to have after this game because it's going to be a war it's definitely going to be a, a very tough matchup this is going to be a real test for them but one thing is for sure I can't wait to walk into Al Van Hazel Stadium you know get a good shot of the crowd you know feel that energy and then hop right onto the field and then get a good seat in what is going to be an exciting game in Arizona high school football. All right, so uh, let's recap uh, these games this week. Uh, we have Santa Cruz uh, taking on Arete Prep. We're both going to uh, side with Santa Cruz to get their fourth straight victory. Sequoia Pathway taking on Antelope. I think that's going to be two in a row for Sequoia Pathway. Are you going to take Sequoia as well? 100%. Santan Foothills versus Coolidge, another good one, but we're both going to give the uh, edge to Coolidge in that one. Eastmark uh, versus ALA Ironwood, uh, we both uh, picked uh, Eastmark to pick up the victory there. Apache Junction uh, versus Coconino, we're both going with Apache Junction. Post and Butte versus St. Mary's, we're both going to take the Broncos. Uh, Combs versus Maricopa, and we're both going with the Coyotes. Vista Grande uh, versus Rio Rico, we're both going to uh, take the Spartans to uh, make it three in a row. And then our game of the week, the Cast Grand Cougars versus the Higley Knights, and we're both going to take the Cougars with that one. But now let's move into our favorite part of the show, which is our week six Breakout players of the week. Uh, let's start with special teams. Uh, that's going to go to Adam Jones. Who? Adam Jones. Jones. No, that's going to go to Adam Jones of the Combs Coyotes. Uh, he went uh, four for four on uh, field goals uh, this past week. So congratulations, Adam. And we hope to see you uh, as another one of our uh, top uh, contenders for breakout player of the week in the special teams category. Now let's move on into the defensive uh, breakout player of the week. And I'll let you uh, give the honors for that one. Our defensive player of the week goes to none other than the Sequoia Pathway Pumas, Norian Banks. We wondered what he would do on the defensive side when he switched to a bigger role on the offense. He has not slowed down at all. 
Number 33 had nine solo tackles, one assisted, and six tackles for a loss. He also had three sacks and one forced fumble. He was definitely a force to be reckoned with out there, and because of that performance, you are our varsity breakdown defensive player of the week. All right, now let's get into our offensive player of the week. And uh, that's going to go to somebody playing his very first game, but he did not disappoint this week on what the hype was all about. It's going to go to the Coolidge Bears, Gianni Mascalino, who went 21 for 28 with 355 total yards and six total touchdowns. If that's not having yourself a day, I don't know what is, but a big congratulations, uh, Gianni, uh, for being our offensive breakout player of the week, and welcome back to the game of football, because I know this man missed it, and it definitely showed on that stat line Friday night, so big congratulations uh, to you and uh, to the rest of our uh, breakout players of the week. Yeah, shout out, Johnny. I know that talking to you on the sidelines that you really missed this game, and the only thing you ever talked about was getting back out there. Well, I think uh, we can leave things there. Uh, but before we go, I want to talk about a partnership that we'll be embarking on with Game Time Recruiting and Consulting, ran by Mr. Rodney Cox. Uh, Rodney is a former player uh, for Arizona State, has a big knowledge in the game of football and what it takes to get recruited. So we're going to be teaming up with him uh, to uh, spread the information of what it takes to make it at the next level. Uh, if you want to follow uh, Game Time Recruiting and Consulting, uh, they're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, if not, you can uh, visit their website at www.gametimerc.com or email them at gametimerc at gmail.com. How do you feel about what we're getting ready to uh, embark on uh, with Game Time Recruiting and Consulting? This is big. This is us taking a huge step forward and not only giving these kids the internet exposure that they they see, you know, from everybody. We, we hear that all the time. They're like, we've never had this opportunity to have people treat us like an ESPN thing. But this goes even a step further, getting them the opportunity to further their education and go as far as their abilities and their mindset can take them. I'm very excited to work with Rodney. I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting him and actually having a conversation with him myself. Um, this is going to be a really good time for us. I know that this is going to be something that when we look back on, we're going to be nodding our heads and saying, yeah, that, that was big. And to uh, wrap up uh, with game time, if uh, there's any seniors out there listening or coaches or parents, game time is going to be hosting a senior bowl and all you have to do is nominate a player so if you have a senior out there that you feel deserves a chance to uh, shine under the lights uh, in this senior bowl you can go to their website as well and uh, nominate them or send Rodney an email and you know let's get uh, as many of these seniors uh, from this Pinal County area uh, out there I, I believe he's having a hundred uh, athletes out there and uh, plenty of uh, college scouts as well as uh, media coverage will definitely be out there it's going to be at Legacy uh, Sports Complex and it will take place uh, January 13th so get your nominations out there uh, before uh, the window closes and uh, you know I can't wait to uh, be able to uh, take part of that event as well. Yeah, no doubt. Well, before we go, I got to give one special shout out to the King, Zach Melendez. Uh, he he was a great young man to meet. Uh, it was unfortunate that, you know, we missed his uh, 
ceremony but it was actually cool because we actually got to chop it up with david church and, and that was actually really good for us too because there was always that invisible wall between us where we knew each other were there but we kind of you know didn't you know mingle but that like like i said the energy was great in santan for us to you know mingle and mix and like i said it, it, it he's a great guy uh, i look forward to to seeing him more down the road um and also raf I'm waiting on the video, my boy. I know that that video is going to be cold. You 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 left us all hanging with that that preview on your stories. Oh yeah, and I've been checking in daily to see what that <laughs> that video is like, and I can't wait to see what it comes out looking like. And one thing that we did today was put out voting for some new shirts. But we're like we mentioned it before, last bit of shirts, last bit of shirts. If we get rid of these shirts, then we can start getting the shirts that we posted today. Um, we got a lot of interaction on that. We got to look back at it and see, you know, which ones we're actually going to move forward with. Um, but that's not it. We got also got our raffle going to be coming to a close. Entry stop in two days, and then we'll reveal the winner soon. Um, if you want to go see the Oregon Ducks play the Arizona Wildcats or the Washington Huskies play the ASU Sun Devils. This is a good time to enter. All you got to do is just scan that Venmo tag, you know, enter the amount for the uh, uh, amount of entries you want. And then, you know, good luck. We're going to be, you know, announcing our winners, you know, online on our social medias. And I know that's going to be big because somebody's going to be going to, uh, you know, a good game either way. Oh, yeah, definitely a lot of stuff to uh, look forward to. And, and you know, I'll always say it, stats, 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 get them in because... I know that there's some other great players that we didn't get to recognize, especially when you have blowout games like Santa Cruz and Vista Grande, and we don't have nothing to look back on uh, to acknowledge these players. So please, coaches, get your stats in, players, remind your coaches. And if that's all, brother, I'll see you uh, Friday night to see uh, Casa Grande uh, defeat the Higley Knights. So let's go Cougars. And I know you got uh, one more thing to say, right? Take it easy.